0: Battling the relentlessly negative doom and gloom news media, it's the Nick Stenger Show. Coming to you live from the Stenger Family Office Headquarters, it's your host, Nick Stenger. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Nick Stenger Show. My name is Nick Stenger. We are the Stenger Family Office for the past 42 Long years. It has been our mission to deliver both clarity and confidence to help secure your financial future. Welcome back. It's episode 115, Middle America Loses. Again, I am so glad you have joined us to get the clarity and confidence, the good news, the reasons why you ought to stay on your plan if you like the podcast if you enjoy listening to us each and every week i would ask you if you don't mind going on spotify going on apple leaving us a five-star review giving us a follow it really helps getting the podcast out to more and more people so i would so appreciate if you could do that spotify apple wherever you find us five-star review or a follow we so appreciate that now You know that we are typically very optimistic on these shows if you've been with us since the beginning. Remember, 115 episodes, you know that we are typically very optimistic telling you to stay on your course, uh, staying on your plan, and don't get off the course that we have charted out for you. None of that has changed with today's content. Although some of the stuff we're going to talk about will sound a little bit doom and gloom, a little bit bearish. I do think in the short term, there could be some pain ahead in the stock market. M2 money supply, the number of dollars floating around in the economy are, are, are is, is plummeting. And this is not a fantastic thing for the, the economy. It's not a great thing for the stock market in the short term. I think long term, we will be just fine, but we could have some short term pain Ahead and, and what I want to highlight today is who feels a lot of the short-term pain because the federal government has risen in size and scope, because it has gotten so big all these years, now 30% of GDP, that's how big government is as a portion of our annual income basically as a country, the middle class, even the low class, the middle class, the upper middle class get hit the worst that is the saddest part of inflation it is a hidden tax on the middle class don't ever forget that and so remember politicians when they want to do spending they want to they want to come up with new ideas and new new uh, programs and all this different stuff they are only subject to basically two ways that they can do that number one is they can Uh, Tax you more, and they typically don't like to do that. That's not a very popular strategy politically. So instead, they usually go with this ridiculous idea, the second option called modern monetary theory. Modern monetary theory is a terrible idea. It's this idea that instead of taxing people more, instead of raising savings bonds and all the rest of it, like we used to do back in the pre Federal Reserve days. All we have to do is just print the money. That's the idea of modern monetary theory. It's been tried. It's not modern. It's not even new at all. In fact, they have tried this in every socialist regime, every communist regime. My grandma can attest to this, who escaped the Nazis from Hungary when she was a small girl and came over to the United States through Ellis Island. One of the things that they that that, that she uh, one of the stories that she told myself and my cousins and the rest of our family all the time was that she literally saw kids playing in the streets with money stacks of money that was worthless. That's socialism. You just print money into oblivion to pay for the stupid stuff that your politicians come up with. That is just an absolute nightmare. And so this is not a matter of left. It's not a matter of right. It's not Democrat. It's not Republican. This is just a pro-human, pro-democracy, pro- pro individual message that I want to give today that you have to be so careful you cannot print money into oblivion you are going to stamp out the face of all the political parties and And so if you're a Republican you should be so careful with this if you're a Democrat you should be very careful and, and libertarians and and all spectrums of the political world you need to be so careful before you Uh, just let the government get bigger and bigger in scope and size. Remember, the way that the government operates, they come in, they create a problem, they make a mess, and then they offer to fix it and come up with a government solution to the mess that they created. This is the issue, the fact that the government today is 30% of GDP, of gross domestic product. It's bigger and badder than ever before. This is a huge problem problem, whether you are on, again, the left, the right, don't hear me wrong. I'm not just blaming one side. I'm blaming both. You have to look at how big the government has gotten it. It stamps out the Republicans. It stamps out the Democrats. It stamps out small business. It stamps out people because it is overly, and I I think not headed 100%, obviously, to the communist, the Chinese methodology or the socialist methodology in a lot of the places in Europe, but it could go there if we don't pump the brakes and pump them quickly that is the issue big government is bad for all sides all spectrums of the political world it crushes human liberty ingenuity and with it entrepreneurship when you crush human liberty when you crush ingenuity you crush entrepreneurs and innovation what ultimately happens is you make life worse for the middle class and the lower class that benefits so much from innovation from better outcomes from the wealth basically explosion that's happened across the globe. And and I know this whole idea, this whole line from one of the sides of the political aisle that says the wealth gap is bigger than it's ever been and we need to solve it and the rich are getting richer and the poor are getting poorer which I just do not agree with if you have eyes to see the data of really what's going on behind the scenes. Yes, the rich have gotten richer but over 200 years of global history now you cannot deny the fact that the poor have gotten extraordinarily rich too. It is just astounding to me when you see the way that our poorest people in this country live today versus the richest people and how they lived two or three hundred years ago. You, you can't even compare the two, and and so life expectancies up are up. Healthcare is better than it's ever been. I know it's expensive in the United States. There's there's a reason behind that, but um, uh, it, it is expensive, but it is high quality. Global poverty is plummeting, child mortality is plummeting, starvation, cancer deaths, all these things that we all agree we want less of are going down thanks to the rising tide of capitalism that has just taken over the globe thanks to the United States and our entrepreneurs, and, and it's entrepreneurs from all over the world. You, if you've been at one of our Resilient America talks, one of our presentations, you know the chart that I'm talking about, that the innovation has happened right here in the United States. It's been Chinese folks that have come over here or Japanese or European, Germans and and um, and uh, uh, Brits and all the people that have come over and Indians and, and um, Africans and people from all over the globe who have left their homeland. Just astounding. Our family did this in the mid-1800s. My grandmother did this on my mother's side from Hungary. And, and they come to the United States to make a better life for themselves. They're trying to escape the runaway money printing. They're trying to escape the authoritarian regimes. Just to find out that the United States is slowly moving down that authoritarian path, and if you've ever met somebody who lived in socialism before, who lived, or even Cubans—people who have lived—you know—they they they immigrated here from Cuba uh, to the United States—they'll—they'll tell you they want nothing to do with it because it's absolutely insane. It's such a bad idea, such a bad set of policies. The reason—and remember, communism always promises socialism always promises to help the middle class always to help the lower class look at this wealth gap look at how bad you have it look how these people are these really rich people are living look how you're living and and uh, you need to get more and we need to uh, tax the rich maybe even take it a step further and confiscate the rich we want to do a, a wealth tax where we actually just take their money at the end of their lives they say that's the answer everywhere this has been a tried every and remember the saying from the bible there's nothing new under the sun everything that's ever been tried to take money from one group of people and distribute it to another set of people has failed. And the reason why is because there's not enough wealth from the richest, from the 1%, from the 5%, from even the top 10%, even if you take every single one of their dollars, not just tax them, but take them, not even enough money to really run the federal government for more than a, a, like 18 months. And there's a, there's stats out there that you can look up. but But That's the problem, that the government is the greediest corporation on earth, that it tries to take more and more and more if you let it. That's why the government today is 30% of GDP. We have let it run completely out of control so i want to do a real basic example because there's two sides of the story the left says let's do universal basic income to solve the problem of the wealth gap the other side the right says just lower taxes lower the federal tax rate that is not necessarily the answer although i do like tax cuts over time the tax rate on a federal level is not really the problem We talked a little bit about this last week. I'm going to go through this in a second with with an actual example of a family. But then on the left, that universal basic income idea, that doesn't work either. We tried that during COVID. We paid people to stay home. Now, you could have made an argument during COVID that you had to do that because the government took away people's ability to make money. They shut down the economy. So they had to make restitution for that. But now, these people who are still getting paid to sit home and not work are a big drag on productivity. They're also a drag on unemployment. We need them to desperately come back into the workforce. So, so I don't think universal basic income is the, the, the answer either. Pew Research defines middle class today as a household annual income of about $141,000 per year. Social Security and Medicare tax, remember, is 7.65%. That's just what the family pays, not to mention the other 7.65% that the company pays on the employee's behalf. That comes out to just under $11,000 a year. Now, if you're in Illinois like we are, your state income tax is roughly 5%. That's another $7,000 per year on that middle class income. Assuming that that family lives in a median home, median home price for middle class is about 350000 they will pay about $5,000 in annual property tax, which, which is conservative. Some of these places in DuPage County and Will County and, and all over in Illinois here are much higher. Cook County is very high, but let's just go with about a 1.5% tax rate. You're paying not only FICA tax, not only are you paying Illinois state tax, but you're also paying property tax on something you already own, then you're gonna end up paying about 8% in sales tax or more on about 75% of your take home compensation. That's all your money to, that you go to the store and spend and all the, all the things that you do that you spend money on, that comes out to roughly another 5,000 a year. Before federal tax kicks in, and this is why the Republicans answer is not necessarily going to fix anything, this middle class family is going to pay $28,000 per year In tax not even including the federal tax that's a 20% tax rate and we're not talking the richest 1% we're not talking the richest 10% we're talking the middle the median income of a middle-class family now if you are married filing jointly this family is going to pay $16,000 in federal taxes for an all-in effective tax rate of 31% that doesn't include capital gains, if they have investments, interest, if they have cash in the bank or transfer taxes. It's absolutely insane. 31% of income goes to tax. The government is the greediest corporation on earth. If you are a top 5% family, and let's assume now you're in the top 5% where you have a house household income of $343,000, not only are you going to pay all of those same taxes that the middle class family pays, which is about 16% in effective non-federal income tax, but you're also going to pay roughly a federal income tax of about 18%, you're all in at almost 35% a year in annual taxes paid on an annual income of $343,000. So when we say that the richest don't pay their fair share, that is just absolutely false. And we're not talking the richest of the richest of the richest. We're talking about just regular people in the middle, which we have lots of clients at that $343,000 level. We have lots of clients at the $141,000 level. And you can ask them, hey, hey, do you feel rich? Do you feel like you're in the top 5%? And I can almost assure you none of them will say yes because government takes over a third of their annual income you cannot just solve these problems you cannot fix the debt issue you cannot fix the deficit problem by just lowering the federal income tax it may help in the short term but it does not solve the long-term problem that government is too stinking big spending is too much we have to cut spending that's the only way that we're going to get around the problems the government has created and i'm not just saying it's the democrats spending too much again It's also the Republicans. We spend too much on both sides of the political aisle. Now, the left says that we should do UBI, which is universal basic income. That doesn't solve anything because what you do is you incentivize people to produce less. We tried this from 1968 to 1980. We experimented with a negative income tax. That's where you pay lower income households to basically earn less turns out if you do that and you create this backwards incentive system people will produce less you need to have an incentive system that's structured to make people want to innovate and 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 if you don't believe me you think oh nick well all all major billionaires are inherited money and there's no way that they're all innovators well that's false 65 percent now of the billionaire forbes billionaire list 65 percent are self-made meaning they did not inherit money the, U, the U.S., our country, happens to be home to more billionaires to, than any other country on earth. UBI is not an answer to the wealth disparity phenomenon. Yes, the rich are getting richer. Yes, according to the Boston Consulting Group, BCG, 63% of global wealth is owned by the richest 1%. So all these people that that, that, that want UBI say, oh, you know, richest people own more wealth than the bottom whatever percentage. That is true, but again, that bottom group of people have been lifted just like the top has. So, rather than cut taxes or do UBI, you need the government to shrink in size, you need the government to get smaller so that that middle class family doesn't have to give so much as a portion of their overall annual income to government Programs. That is my opinion, and I think that's what we need to do. We had it again with Ronald Reagan in the 80s. We had it with Bill Clinton in the 90s. And I think one of the factors of the debt talks, one of the, and actually positives of it, is that we do have divided government. Now, the middle class will ultimately pay the price for this debt deal. It's not a good deal. It may be the best deal that McCarthy can get with Joe Biden, but it's still. A terrible deal for the country however it is a little bit slower it's going to slow down the pace of runaway spending a bit until the next election cycle and that's why you have to have divided government that's why you have to have two different parties battling it out the one sad thing behind the scenes though is even though we have the two parties battling it out we had the Federal Reserve quietly in the background getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And I I would say the the shadow fourth branch of the government sort of pulling the strings. And, and you ask yourself, how did the Fed get created? Well, it was created by all the world's famous banking families, the Rothschilds and the Morgans. And they put it together. Why? Because when the Fed pulls liquidity out of the system, they basically pay banks to earn interest risk-free on the, the deposits that they have this is a big problem. This is why banks, big government, big banks, big business all go hand in hand. And the more and more that we move towards the big, 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 the authoritarian, we crush and stamp out the small business, the individual. That is not a good thing for innovation. Our entire portfolio is built on the idea of entrepreneurs innovating new solutions so here's the bright spot. the bright spot in all of this and i know we've talked kind of doom and gloom for the first half of the show but i would say the bright spot in all of this is entrepreneurs just won't quit you cannot snuff out innovation you cannot completely get rid of entrepreneurship because it goes against it defies human nature we are wired for freedom we are wired for creativity we were made and in my opinion, made by God, uh, I think God gives us the ideas to innovate, to come up with new solutions. And that is the beauty of how we are wired. We are made to innovate. And so we are going to see a wealth explosion, I think, continue while well, in the short term we may have some bumpiness ahead. We may have some choppiness to go through the next couple months and years. I think long run, that long term entrepreneurial growth explosion that we have had in the world in this country will continue over time so don't lose your faith don't lose your hope i think one of the big things you're going to want to do is rebalance here we are certainly helping our clients rebalance and you're going to want to make sure you're in the right sectors the right countries the right places that if you own fixed income that your duration is not overly long i still think it's too early to add duration the insanity at the fed is the fact that one of these fed chairs came out the other day and said interest rate hikes should continue, which makes me a little bit nervous about owning long-term bonds. I, I think it's still too early. We can still get a good return on a short-term bond and not have to take on that long-term risk. I think the other thing that's gone a little bit too far too fast this year is the fact that we've had a uh, just a tech boom. We have had tech companies run up to massive massive PE ratios with the hopes that artificial intelligence is going to completely change the game that may be true in the long run but I think in the short term a lot of these tech companies have become overvalued so just be a little bit careful there yes we're in big tech yes we're in the best names we are looking at balance sheets particularly because we want to make sure that companies have enough cash to get through a storm that their financing costs are not going to be too much of net income I think that's another problem that we're going to see with Small cap companies, I've said this for a while, is if you look at the, the financing costs for small business and especially for that S&P 600, which is the smaller companies in the market, they are starting to see their borrowing costs rise pretty substantially, which does concern me with small cap stocks. We have gotten people out of these. We have had our clients out for, I think, three or four years now, and uh, that has been a huge positive Although I don't like to, the, 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 this is true, the fact of the matter is, is that large companies the past five years have outpaced small companies four to one. So that is a reality of a big Fed, of a big government, all the things that we've talked about in this week's show. I'll summarize by saying this. Stay the course. Stay on your plan. There has never been a better time to invest. There have never been a, 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 a number of companies, I would say dozens of companies, even in our portfolios, that are undervalued. And, and so in every market cycle, you can make money. In every environment, there's profit to be made. And, and companies that you want to own that are undervalued... That's what you wanna look for. So so be careful with just the set it, forget it. You see this a lot in these target date funds out there in the 401Ks. Be careful with just these market cap weighted funds where it's just the biggest rise to the top and there's never any rebalancing in there. Um, I, I think what you wanna do is just be a little bit more selective in this environment, owning good companies for the long run. And sometimes you'll take some profits, that's the rebalancing profit pr- process, then you'll take those profits and you'll reinvest them in the companies that haven't done as well over time, that will do very well. And it doesn't guarantee that you're never gonna have problems. It doesn't guarantee any insurance against volatility or anything like that. But over the long run, stocks, remember, have been the only asset class that can beat inflation consistently over time. You can't beat inflation long run with cash. You cannot do it with gold. You cannot do it even with real estate. You can't do it with any other asset class on earth except for equities why because equities respond in real time to all the bad stuff all the bad news everything going on by innovating that's it and and so all these companies were we're in high season of uh annual meetings and and uh, companies earnings reports and the, all the proxy voting that's been going on and because of that we're getting an inside view we're getting to listen to so many of these corporations put out their projections and these management teams are just absolutely brilliant and and so our job as your advisors is to get you into what we feel are the best companies run by the best management teams and yeah they're going to go through some ups and downs and hit some speed bumps along the way but these management teams over time are not just sitting on their hands they're, they're not coming in on monday morning just worried about the debt ceiling talks that's not their main focus their main focus is to deliver increased value to their customers and over time they will By doing that, deliver increased value to shareholders. That's it, that's the entire equation, that's how the market's worked for 100 years, 200 years. Don't buy into this narrative, this media lie that this time is different. That's what they want you to believe. And I was listening to a great podcast the other week, how when you're bearish, it, it makes you sound smarter. And, and so a lot of the people on TV that you say, see that say everything's coming to an end and doom and gloom, and this is why you need to get a bunker and fill it with canned food. Sometimes those, those people sound more intelligent. And then the, the people that are optimists like us, the people who are bullish, uh, sound kind of naive because we say, well, things are going to be okay. That's not 100% accurate. That's not my exact message today. I I am kind of in the middle. I, I think we're going to have a little pain in the near term, in the short run, but long run, we are bullish. We are optimists, and, and things will be just fine over time. So stick on your plan. Remember the stories. Get the entrepreneurial stories and, and listen to some of the past podcasts. We've had a couple great ones with us for the show. That will be coming back soon. But uh, there, there is so much good stuff going on behind the scenes, so many reasons to stay on your plan. But in the short term, just brace yourself. We could have a little volatility. We could test some lows this summer. We could have a little chop over the next couple months. Don't let that throw you overboard and get to us. Get your plan updated. If you don't have a plan, if you're not working with an advisor, talk to somebody you trust. Talk to us. Talk to somebody who can get you on a plan, operate as a fiduciary, and and uh, get you going on a long-term plan. That's all I've got for you this week. Thanks for being here. Episode 115. We will see you next week for episode 116.